Hey guys, well it is week two of our summer Enneagram series. Last week I talked with Enneagram expert Mickey Scott Bay Jones. We did a brief overview of the Enneagram, why we think it's an important tool, what it all means, and we briefly looked at all the different Enneagram types. Today we're diving into type one. I've got Mickey back. We're going to discuss it in further detail. And I also have a previously recorded interview we did with Kendra Adachi a few years ago. Kendra is the author of the book, The Lazy Genius. She's also an Enneagram One, and she's going to share lots of great insights about that type. All right, Mickey, you ready to talk about Enneagram Ones? I'm ready. It's tender because, you know, it's my type. It's close to home. (laughs) It's close to home. Well, let's start there. I mean, how did you how did you come to realize that you were an Enneagram one? Well, it was kind of roundabout. So for a long time, I thought I was a type eight. Oh, Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, And that was partially uh, a cultural overlay. Right. So that was Mm. part of that was assumptions people were making about me as a black woman, Mm -hmm. as someone who is a leader and has a very kind of forceful presence. Um, and you know, we're now we're really starting to talk about that, how we need to be talking about culture, um, things like race and gender and sexuality and, um, you know, who's been teaching the Enneagram, all of those things we actually need to talk about and realize that like your teacher matters, the, you know, material matters and, and other parts of your life, right? Like because your culture does impact your personality. Totally. Um, That's such a good point, especially with what you said. I mean, you know, we know black women, Latina women, socialization, you know, there is just more of a freedom to speak your mind. Confrontation is not as, you know, I mean, white people are really passive aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yes. Right. I mean, our communication style is very passive aggressive where there are other cultures that are more direct. And I could see where, you know, there could be mistyping in that, in that's that confusion right. over like, well, this person's very bold, so therefore I guess they must be an eight. That's right. And yeah. not only that, it's the like cultural expectations, right? So yes. there can be a lot of trying not to come off as too strong or, mm-hmm. you know, you just sh- you just show a little bit of being upset and you're the angry black woman, right? Yes. So I think there was just a lot of uh, that, that kind of happened to me is, is because, you know, I w- it did happen in conversations with friends yeah and they were going off my behaviors and not asking me about my motivation motivation yeah yeah internally so what is the internal motivation for a one yeah so um this type um you know like i said it's called the perfectionist or the Mm -hmm. reformer or the judge um which i really like the judge the best Mm -hmm. because i think of like scales of justice or a gavel and there's a lot of kind of weighing what's good and Mm -hmm. wrong, what's right. Um, And so they're really motivated by this desire to be good. Mm -hmm. They just want to be good or they want to be right. Um, And it can also be understood as like a a motivation to improve people and systems and things um, to set things right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they like ones really have this laser like focus on what's wrong. Like yeah. that is their superpower. They can enter a room and uh-huh. know what is off. Yeah. And, and usually have a sense of what needs to be done to correct it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the attention of this type goes to what's right and wrong. Um, and, you know, uh, they almost think of everything in those terms. 
Um, they're paying a lot of attention to, to standards and protocol. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and, and there's a lot of work on self monitoring. Mm -hmm. So their attention is drawn away from pleasure, mm -hmm. um, to like these standards and criticism, but most of the criticism that's happening, like the stereotype of the one will be that they're really super critical of other people. Mm -hmm. But the mm -hmm. reality is they, whatever criticism comes out of the mouth of a one, you can best believe that they have criticized themselves yeah. 20 times over for that same thing or in yeah. that same arena. Right. Um, so there is a constant monitoring of like, am I showing up the way I should be in this situation? Am I meeting all of the rules? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's, and that self-monitoring is, is, is exhausting. Like, yeah. It's a lot of work to make sure you're following all the rules all the time. Yes. And rules that other people don't know about, don't care yeah. about, don't understand exist, <laughs> but somehow they exist in the mind of a one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that can be, that can be really challenging. Yeah. So in stress, a one is maybe, you know, very self-critical, very obsessed with getting things right, doing things correctly, maybe being rigid. How about in, you know, when they're working in their strength or when they're finding balance? Yeah, you know, I mean, like, I tend to look at the the points that we can go to. So like one mm -hmm. is connected to four and seven. And, yeah. um, you know, I think you can pull resources from those places you're connected to. You can pull, pull places, pull resources from your wings. We haven't even gotten to that yet. But like, there we have these resource points mm -hmm. um, and, you know, ones in at their best right are like they have a deep sense of justice morality um really believing that the world can be better that yeah. people can be better yeah um they're idealistic and have high standards and i mean you want to talk about somebody who is dedicated honest full of integrity and productive like that's a one they they don't they often think they're not good or, mm -hmm. or worry about their own goodness, but typically they're going to be pretty good people because yeah. they really do care about it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's those kinds of things is like, they have to actually learn to give themselves a break um, mm -hmm. because no one is trying to be as good as a one is. Mm -hmm. And so if they can just relax, if they cannot <laughs> see pleasure as a reward, if they cannot yeah. see, um, you know, like just this morning, I literally was just sitting down to to eat some oatmeal and drink my tea. And I was like feeling anxious inside my body. Like I should be doing something like I there's work I could be doing. Yeah. Like my emails are always calling to me. Just like, girl, if you don't sit yourself down and eat some breakfast, because normal people just eat. You, you don't have to earn yeah, breakfast. Your breakfast. Just eat it, you know. And so but that is kind of that. um overarching always kind of like yeah. am i doing the right thing am yes. i being as good of a person as i can yeah right and so ones can be they can come off we can come off super formal mm -hmm. and rigid mm -hmm. right like i laugh about my emails sometimes because i write really formal emails to my friends because it's just like that's yeah. how you write emails i write yeah. formal texts because yeah. like yeah it's just how things should be it's right <laughs> right <laughs> So um, it, it's like learning to actually tap into what mm -hmm. you want 
is yeah. really big. Yeah. Because I can really get caught up in like how to be a good partner. Like mm. I should do this, this, and this should. versus like, yeah, what do I want to do as a partner? What do I want to do? Because I love this person. Yeah. And that, that can be really difficult to tap mm -hmm. into yeah. for type ones. Yeah. Yeah. I relate. I mean, I'm at type three, but I relate so much to that feeling mm -hmm. of denying yourself pleasure, you know, and I think with, yeah an Enneagram one that it's like the motivation is different, but the behavior shows up the same, which is like, I should yeah. be, you know, fill in the blank. I should be yes. that nag, that constant nag of like, I should be doing something or I should be yeah. doing something right. Yeah. Well, and that's why ones and threes can get along really, really well in yeah. work. Right. Yeah. Because we mm -hmm. both want to get things done. Now, yeah. you know, ones want to get everything done. Right. Whereas right. threes are like, as long as we get to the end we product, want to slam it, it home. Slam it home. Right? <laughs> and so that's where Check the tension off. starts yes. right that's that's where the tension comes in with ones and threes yes um but in general like we both want to kill it yeah you know yeah. and and have a desire for excellence um and so you know ones really have to i mean because the inner critic a lot of people have an inner critic but for ones it tends to be the kind of strongest yeah usually that's like not every type has like a like a just killer question that you're like if they answer this question this way i know they're this type but for mm -hmm. the most part the reaction to a type one asking mm -hmm. them about do you have uh an, like do you have the experience of having an inner critic they're like oh my god mm -hmm. yes like mm -hmm. she never shuts up yeah. like there's a usually a very strong reaction yeah, yeah. um and it's a constant voice. Yeah. Um, and, and again, you know, you know, you know, as, uh, you know, a, a therapist, like with parts work, right? Like there are parts of us and we're, mm -hmm. we're like, no part is bad. So the inner yeah. critic isn't bad. Yeah. She's, she's just trying to protect us. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's understanding that it's then welcoming the essence because mm -hmm. a lot of times one's, you know, what the personality has is is protecting is this essence yeah of you know unity of undividedness like ones do have this sense in them mm -hmm. that like we are com connected in this web of mutuality which is mm -hmm. why we want to fix it for yeah. for me for you for the collective i want to fix everything yeah and so if i can you know ease into that sense of oneness if i can mm -hmm. ease into the sense that like a rose isn't good because it's a because it's symmetrical it's perfect in that way right yeah. it's it's perfect because it's beautiful because it's pleasing because it smells good yes. because it, it's you know because it has this one you know giant leaf and the others are like it's it's just beautiful in the way that it is yes. when we can start to connect to that in in ourselves mm -hmm. and in other people mm -hmm then that is what allows us to relax the type and yeah. ones can then have this really beautiful sense of like life is perfect as mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. If we have a one in our life, a friend or partner, how can we best love them? <laughs> Ooh, well, I, uh, again, that, that hits really close to home. I think, um, helping them touch into what they want versus what is the right thing for them to say or do. Mm -hmm. 
because, and having patience to help them get there Mm -hmm. because um, I realized that I, somebody, somebody has to ask me several times what I want often, especially if it's a moral question. Yeah. Because there are layers of what I think I should do or what other Mm -hmm. people want me to do or what the right thing to do is. And I, it takes me a while to actually touch into what I want and what's right for me, that that can be valid. Yes. Especially if there seems to be some outside, like moral, higher moral thing, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it can be really hard for me to touch into what really truly feels right in my core. Yes. And so we, sometimes we need some support around that. Absolutely. Yeah, man, that's good. I resonate with that also as a three. It's very hard for me also to touch into what do I actually want? Yeah. 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 And when when we get to the three, we'll talk about why that's tough for three. Yes. Yes. Well, this is good. I think, I I think I just appreciate the depth you're bringing to it that, you know, it isn't again, just about how we behave. This really gets down to motivation and sense of self. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. I think it's time we actually talk to a one. Today, we are speaking with Kendra Adachi, whose podcast entitled The Lazy Genius is kind of the coolest thing ever. Well, welcome, Kendra. I'm very excited to hear about your oneness. My oneness. Your oneness. (laughs) Sometimes I feel really good about my oneness and other days I'm super insecure about it. So we'll see which, we'll see which one comes out today. (laughs) Well, that's something that has come up several times with Kristen and I. It's, I think everybody feels this about their type. Obviously there's some great traits and there's also some really sketchy, scary ones. So we we feel you. So tell me, how did you, how did you learn about the Enneagram? Like when, when did this happen? Tell me the whole story. I've been, I've been into it for a few years now. I don't remember who told me it was probably my sister. Cause you know, my sister tells me most things as sisters often do. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I, she just said, I know you love personality tests. This one freaked me out. Go read about it. <laughs> And I did. And um, I think the thing that I am so glad didn't happen is I did not take the test to figure out my type. Oh. Um, Yeah. I think that the test is a little, can be a little bit misleading sometimes because we answer things the way we want to be, you know? Yes. Yes. It's hard to kind of be uh, unbiased in that. And so I did not take the test. Someone told me, and I just always tell people this when they ask me about the Enneagram, um, I say, like, read, just go read a general overview of all the types. And there may be some that you're like, oh, that could be me. Maybe that's me. And right. just count out the ones that it doesn't feel that way about. And that's what happened with me. I was like, well, I could be I could be a one. I could be a three. I could be a seven. I could be an eight. Okay. So you've never taken the test. I had never taken the t- I've never taken the Interesting. test. No, I never did. I never did. And so I, yeah, I went through those types and then it was like, okay, well, let's read a little bit more about those types. And kind of, it was just like process of elimination. And the thing that I feel like always tells you what your type is, is the one that you're like, I don't want that to be my type. (laughs) The cringy, the cringy thing. It's like, here's a spotlight on all of your junk. You're Uh, welcome. Well, that's what I found is so fascinating about this particular test and these traits, because usually 
all the other ones I've taken are kind of like how you're perceived by others, you know, right. whereas this one is really it's like what motivates you, whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. And yeah, I, I get really cringy when, when, you know, when you're like looking down the line of starting up at healthy and moving down into when you're <laughs> unhealthy and I, my, like my unhealthiest point, I think it's like a psychopathic murderer or something. I don't know. It's yeah. like bad. Yeah. All of my, all like a lot of the types, they're level nine often ends and this is obviously this is not something to joke about but they all right. a lot of them end in suicide like it's really yeah. really internal dark stuff except for the ones that I identified with were like I'm going to kill everyone else <laughs> like that's kind of, and I was like oh yeah that sounds about right that's awful but oh well that's hilarious so I mean obviously since you didn't take the test there was no surprise involved you know you kind of said okay I'm a one so what what about the one really jumped out at you, whether it be positive or negative? Right. Um, I think the thing that probably continues to jump out at me is how judgmental I can be. Mm -hmm. um, that is not something that um, that I like too much about myself. Obviously, nobody wants to be seen as judgmental. But I think the hard thing about being a one um, is that when what other people's perceive as me being judgmental and telling them how to do things mm -hmm. is me just trying to make the world a better place. <gasps> yes. Like that's all it is. It's just very idealistic. Like I just want, that's, that's part of why I have created the business that I have because mm -hmm. I want people, I see all these ways that people could be letting go of things that don't matter and then doing things that do matter better. Right. And so that that's like the whole thing is I just want like I'm secretly a Pollyanna. I just want everyone to be happy and to live their lives in a beautiful way, but I just come across as like this really really intense like <laughs> label maker person to make it happen. Right. And so it can be yeah, I I have had uh, lots of experiences where people have kindly and sometimes not so kindly and I deserved it, but have told me like you're being really judgmental and that's not how I see it. But right. that doesn't always matter. Like if that's how they see it, I have to be aware of that. So yeah, that's hard. That is. Well, it does seem like the key motivation for ones is, you know, wanting to strive higher, to improve everything, you know, to yeah. be consistent, to be right, to justify themselves. Right. And the basic fear really is what? Just that you don't want to be... The word is defective. Okay. Yeah. And um, and so that could mean a lot of different things. And I think that's why you see, I, I have a lot of friends who are ones mm -hmm. and, um, and there are parts of our lives obviously that are similar, but um, there are a lot of ways that are different. And I think the reason is because what makes you feel defective could be different, like across the board, you know, Ooh. like whether it's being... Um, like your internal and external, uh, external. That's a super good word. <laughs> I love your that word. Internal, I'm going to use that inner, now. <laughs> I know, right? Your inner and outer world are yeah. um, like different. Like they have to be aligned. Like you can't, um, you can't be a different person in different situations. Like there are certain personality types that can um, be, there can be social chameleons, you know, they can change and kind of based on who they're with. And sometimes that's actually really great. You know, that can be a really wonderful trait. Um, but if you're, if you see that as a defective thing uh -huh. that you're not aligned, then that's going to motivate everything. But that's not necessarily how everyone, everyone like capital O sees right. their defectiveness. So right. it just kind of, it kind of depends, I think on who you are. So, and I found that too, for instance, Kristen and I are both threes. And it's actually funny because when we did the Myers-Briggs personality, we did a couple of episodes on that. 
it was, you know, she's like, I'm an INFJ. And I'm like, I'm an ISFJ. And I'm like, God, I wish we could be a little different, you know, so we could like give two sides of the coin. But I will say, Kristen and I are both threes, but we are very different. We are yeah. very different in the way we approach problems. I think we we have that same overarching, that image is very important to us. We want to be seen. We want to be admired. We want, you know, so we're always doing, doing, and trying to do our very best at all times. But yeah, it, it really does break down to each particular person. And that brings me to ask you, what are your thoughts on on the wing, the wing aspect? Yeah, the wings. The wings are tricky. They're the wings, and they're also subtypes. Like within each yes. of the nine types, there are three- right subtypes. And so really it's like, um, for anybody who's skeptical about this, like I'm not one of nine different, there are only, uh, there can't be just nine people in the right. world. Um, and there aren't, there are 27. Um, <laughs> there are 27. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually not, it's fine. Um, but no, you're right. There are lots of nuances to it with the wings and the subtypes and all that kind of stuff. So, um, basically the way that wings work is, um, it's one of the numbers on either side of you. And while your Enneagram number, um, doesn't really change over the course of your life. Your wings can, like you can sort of develop a little bit. Yeah. They kind of change as you get older. Okay. Um, Because we're, here's the, okay, ready? Let's just get super deep. Here's the thing about the Enneagram. It is, um, I think what happens sometimes, especially when we look at those nine levels of health is we can be like, okay, I want to become the healthiest three that I can be, the healthiest one, whatever it is mm-hmm. that I can be. That really, the goal of the Enneagram is not to help you become more entrenched in your number. It is to show you, it's to reveal that you have created as a child, you've created these blind spots and these protective, um, these protective measures that kind of linger in the shadows a little bit and they've just become the natural way that you move through the world and you don't necessarily have to move through the world that way. Like um, for me, I am naturally a really passionate person. I'm a pretty impulsive person sometimes and most ones are not those things. Like they're not, definitely not impulsive, you know, Uh like, um, but what happens is when you grow up, we have these things that happen to us and, um, and we, as children, need to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that that fear and desire come from. It's like, okay, so how am I going to be in the world? And so we just develop these ways of kind of coping, um, but they don't necessarily have to be like, well, I'm just going to um, – yeah, I'm going to become a, a stronger one. It's like, no, I want to recognize that my pattern is – to see everything as black and white and to um, become defensive and to try to justify every single thing I do because I want everything to be perfect. I can see that that is my inclination, that that is how I have been since I was six. Um, But I don't have to necessarily be that way anymore. You know, like I can be like, oh, I can be impulsive and it's not going to make me a horrible person with a defective soul. Okay, Like they don't have to go together. That just blew my mind. Like seriously, oh, that good. just blew my mind. I'm because you know I I haven't even thought about it that way before. Now I took this test decades ago, and you know promptly read my report and forgot about it. So like I'm just now getting back into it, and that is something that I have not really thought about. That you know it really mm. isn't that this is you. It's more like this yeah. is how you've behaviorally or what in whatever way as you've grown older ways that you've adapted to the world. 
And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be those things. Oh my goodness. Right, right. So it gives you freedom. And see, that's why I just, um, this is why it can actually be kind of tough to be a one in particular when it comes to any sort of personality stuff, but with the Enneagram, because um, it's so easy to measure it feels like it would be easy to measure like, okay, here is my path of growth. And you kind of lean into those things that you're actually trying to um, kind of become unanchored by. So um, it's it's such an interesting process. Self-awareness and self-discovery is such an interesting process. And I will say, man, it might be good that you didn't dive in a few years ago. <laughs> because I'm telling you what, if I if I had started to do this when I was in my 20s mm-hmm. or like had a new baby or something like that. Mm-hmm. I have three kids now. I would have been like, nope, it is not time for me to become self-aware and dig into the deepest, darkest parts of my soul. Like Ooh, I feel yeah. like you have to be, I think you kind of have to be ready to to say like, okay, we're going to do some work now. So like when yeah. it comes to this, how how do you do the work? I think that it starts by just um, admitting the problem like mm-hmm. just sort of, or not the problem, that's the wrong word, but recognizing the tendency. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it starts. And so, um, but I do think I have found this to be so true of myself. Like you can say like, well, I'm just a really, here we go. Owning up to your um, kind of faults mm-hmm. is not equal to growing from those faults, to growing away from those faults. Yeah. Like just saying that you are a certain way, but not actually moving in some sort of direction of maybe not leaning into that way anymore. Like I, I feel like so often it's like, well, this is just how I am. And, and that's fine. I think that's where it starts. You need to just realize like, oh, this is what I do. And this is how, this is how I ride. Um, but there has to be a point of like, okay, we're going to, we're actually going to start recognizing this and coming up with alternatives. So for example, um, I load the dishwasher like a Nazi. It's terrible. Um, I'm like, this is how we're doing it. That's probably, in this current climate, that's probably not the word to use. Um, Just going to go ahead and say that now. We can say that again. Um, But no, like when I I, uh, clean the kitchen, when I load the dishwasher, when I do things that are, I feel like there's, there is one best way to do this. Mm -hmm. If my husband comes and helps me, and he loads the dishwasher. He knows now kind of not to. Right, but yeah. He comes in and, <laughs> and loads the dishwasher. And and I'm kind of watching him. And he's mm-hmm. like, do you want to do this instead? And I'm like, yeah, I actually kind of do. Mm-hmm. And that was how it was for like the first, we've been married 15 years. That's kind of how it was for the first like 13 years of our <laughs> marriage. And, um, but it's just been in, um, in the reason, yeah, in the last couple of years where it's like, okay, him wanting to help me, like him wanting to show me love by helping me do something where he just wants me to be able to sit down on the couch at the end of the day. I've been taking care of three kids all day long and right. he knows I'm tired. And so he, his motivation is not to be like, you're doing it wrong. His motivation is not to um, frustrate me by doing it differently than I would do it. It's up to me to let go of my desire for the dishwasher to be loaded in a certain way and instead to say, Thank you, honey, for doing that and to accept it and receive it and go and sit down. And then when I unload the dishwasher the next morning for me to not resent him for doing it wrong, it's just seeing that shift in your, yeah, it's just like moving away from this is just how I am into, okay, well, if this is how I am and I don't, I don't really want to do that though, because what does that do to your relationship? So it's just, it's just about being aware. It's just about being mindful. I think Um, that's that's just such a huge part of it. 
Okay. So I've got a question for you. Anyone that's new to this and they're looking into it, maybe they've just taken the test or they've just, you know, looked over online. Do you have any books that you really love? A great place to start, I think, is it's called The Road Back to You. Okay. Um, and it is a really, it's it's by um, Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stabile. Ian Morgan Cron is a fantastic writer. He wrote one of my favorite memoir, memoirs called Jesus, My Father, the CIA, and Me. And mm-hmm. he's such a good storyteller. It's like <laughs> such a great, it's great. Um, but anyway, he and this, um, his friend Suzanne, they wrote this book and it's, it's a primer, primer mm-hmm. opening. I don't know which one you're supposed to, how do you I always say primer. Okay. I don't know. No, but I, I feel don't know. Like I think it's primer. <laughs> somebody smarter than me said primer and I was like, oh no, I've been saying it wrong this whole time. Um, but no, it's a great place to start. It's, it's like funny. It's, okay. it's written in, um, like it's not, it's not very clinical sounding, you know, okay. it just feels yeah. like you're having yeah. a conversation. So if you're getting yeah. started, that's a great place to get started. Okay. But then if you become like an absolute junkie about it and you mm-hmm. want to really dive into the subtypes and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. there's a book called The Complete Enneagram and okay. it's by Beatrice Chestnut. And okay. it is like, it's the kind of thing where you start reading and you're like, I got to take a break. Like not because the, I mean, the writing is very, um, academic and smart. And it's like, Uh oh no, she's like not joking around, but it's so detailed about the types and about your path of growth and all of this stuff that it's like, okay, this is a lot to take in. I need to take a break for like a week (laughs) and then I'll come back. (laughs) So that's a good place to go if you're like, I'm ready to dive deep, but, um, but like, don't, don't read that first or you will just give up. That sounds good. Well, we will definitely link up to both of those at selfiepodcast.com. But okay. So finally, one last question, because yeah. you are so informed. I mean, I, I love this. I feel like I could talk to you forever. Can we do like a 13-hour podcast about this? Yes, but, please. <laughs> say someone's just found out they're one. So what is, what's the advice you would give them about yeah. being a one? It's funny. I was looking through um, just some of the writings about being a one um, before talking to you just to kind of remember all all of the junk that there is. And I know that um, so much of what you, obviously what you guys talk about on this show is about self-care. And um, one of the the things that is hardest for a one is you want to be in control so badly. You want Mm -hmm. things to be perfect for many reasons. Really, they're they're good reasons. They're idealistic, life, world-changing reasons. Gandhi was a one. You know, like (laughs) Joan of Arc was a one. There are people, ones kind of can change the world, but it can be very overwhelming um, to put all of that pressure on yourself. And so when it comes to understanding that you're a one, I would just say that um, a couple of things, that um, the things that can get ones into trouble, especially in terms of like, in terms of self-care is, um, like eating disorders, mm-hmm. uh, diet pills, like things that you can control. Like you, if you can't control your external world, you're going to control your body as much as humanly possible. Okay. Um, and so I think that's something that's really important to remember just in the context of, of the show, but like, there's also this sense of not ever being content with anything, mm-hmm. including who you are. Um, there are some types who they see what they are and they see kind of the good and the bad and they can kind of move through it and be okay. You know, like they can keep, keep moving, but ones are so idealistic and they want themselves to be so like, they know they can't be perfect, but they're going to die trying, you know, like they're just going to keep going. And so I would say, if you know that you're a one, if you are wondering if you're a one to 
really just let go, um, which is the hardest thing to tell a one <laughs> in the entire world. Um, that's why everyone's like, you should do, if you're a one, you should do yoga. I'm like, please don't make me. Please don't make me. Because it's so like quiet and contemplative and you fall sometimes and you don't always hold the poses the same way day after day. And, and you also don't see results right away. Right. And there are a lot of things that can be so challenging for people who really just want to be the best they can be as soon as humanly possible. Yes. So if you, if you are a one, if you're listening and you're a one, I want to leave you with a, a sentence that, um, My best friend, she is a writer and a brilliant human. Her name's Emily P. Freeman. And she tells me all the time, and this is like my personal mantra, you cannot put a system on your soul. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. And that's what ones want to do is we want to systemize everything, including our inner work and including our souls. And you just can't do it. You have to let go sometimes. So good. So that would be my advice. Uh, Well, thank you so much, Kendra, for joining us today. This was awesome. And people, you have got to check out Kendra's podcast, The Lazy Genius Podcast. It's about 20-ish minutes of awesome. So definitely check her out. Thanks for listening. For more information about Selfie, to listen to past episodes or see resources that we talked about in this show, check us out on the web at selfiepodcast.com. We also encourage you to join our very warm and accepting and fun Facebook community. That's Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook.